0: Hey, everybody. Absolutely Electric Friday show here today. We discuss the art side of the NFT market against collectibles, what the long-term value prop would be, and how that whole thing is going to shake out. We also have special guest, Kevin Rose, the founder of Dig from the back in the Web 2 era, the host of The Proof Podcast, the founder of Proof Collective, Moonbirds, and Oddities. Coming on the show as our special guest, uh, absolutely electric conversation with him. We talk about art, we talk about markets, we talk about Web3, we talk about running Web3 Business, everything in between. Nothing more to say about it. This one's an absolute jam. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday. Got that absolutely nasty intro from the late, great Isaac Hayes. This is the NFT Morning Show. We do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week, where we talk shop on all things NFT space, all of the stories of the NFT market, what NFT collections are performing well, what NFT collections are being deposited right into the trash and everything everything in between. I'm Pio, here with my co-host Nifty Nick, the (laughs) undisputed funniest man in the business. King Kicks, the CEO of Crypto Raiders and a guy that just takes big swings and sometimes they don't work, but sometimes they pay off big like when he bought QQL. Ben Jammin, An absolute OG and a new dad. Really excited to have him on the show. Uh, NFT God, the author of one of the most robust newsletters in the NFT space. Absolutely love reading that newsletter. Spencer Gordon Sand, the founder of Spencer Ventures, a fun taking the NFT space by storm, did deep. The space is hosed from rolling into deep. And of course, everybody's favorite crypto lawyer, Jesse. It also seems like absolutely everybody's getting rugged over and over again on Twitter. So if you get rugged, just try to come back. Twitter's being very aggressive this morning, rugging everybody. And a reminder that we have a very... Very, very special guest that we're very excited about that'll be joining the show a little bit later on towards 10 a.m. Uh, so we hope that you'll stick around to listen for that because that should be a good one for sure. But before I go any further, how's it going, deep
1: Yeah, um, it's fabulous, P.O. Thanks for asking. Uh, first of all, good morning to you. I'm having the time of my life just, uh, you know, Yeah, I'm having the time of my life, man, just having my coffee. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm having coffee too, but it's morning for me. I feel like it's not morning
1: for you, buddy. Yeah, it's almost seven p.m. for me, but uh, I needed some coffee, so here I am having my coffee. I I now live according to your time zones, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I I live according to the U.S. time zones. I sleep at night, which is you know like technically morning for U.S. So, yeah, Pio, that that's what's really up, man.
0: Well, that's what I like to hear, uh, and it's great to have you on board. Uh, we've announced basically that uh, you are running the Bodega Buddies Twitter account, uh, you know, under Easy Eats Bodega. So that's incredibly exciting. You're doing a bang up job so far, and it's just been so fun watching the way that you engage with the NFT community. It's a jam. Uh, but moving on. Good morning, King Kicks. How do you feel being back in the art speculation game?
2: It's awesome, man. Uh, You know, I'm thinking about changing my name back. No. I'd never do that.
0: (laughs) Because the ENS is too valuable, right?
3: Yeah, because (laughs) King Kicks makes a whole ton of sense and everybody gets it. It's just kick. You're the one saying King Kicks, bro. And I'm going to take that compliment every day of the week, baby. (laughs) (laughs) King Nick, what's going on, buddy? I mean, just living a king life. I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's just, uh, it's pretty good, you know, being me. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't uh, traded any, um, I haven't made any trades. I'm no longer a collector of art. I'm just very bearish on that whole segment. I think it's just going, you know, this was the Pico top, just like, you know, with Bored Ape Yacht Club, when they do a drop and uh, all this money rushes uh, out of the system. Basically experiencing the other, uh, other side of the coin on the art side this time. And now what I'm hearing from a lot of artists is that they're just starving and no one's willing to buy because uh, they were all buying um, the Tyler Hobbs and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Dandelion. And Dandelion's uh, you know, piece and that there, no art collectors have any money anymore. So that's kind of what <laughs> went, went on there.
0: You think that all the art collectors just, you know, kind of... They're out of money. They're out of money. Well, that's a tough place to be in.
3: That's just what I'm hearing. So it it is a situation to deal with. Um, But, you know, I think we'll make it through this, uh, but it may be a little bit of time before uh, people's wallets get back to normal uh, after uh, expending all of these resources towards uh, a generative art collection that no one even knows um, what it's going to end up looking like. So, you know, yeah, but it's I, important, Nick, Well, it, it is important. You know, would I take a $20,000 gamble, uh, right now, not knowing the art that I'm buying. I mean, talk about, uh, uh, you Web know, three a, a bold, bold bet, you know, um, you don't even know what the piece that you're going to get ends up looking like. You're just betting on it because you think it's going to be worth a bunch. And I mean, holy hell, You know, that's just a crazy place to be. I'm also shocked by the. uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but the, uh, you know, in terms of iconic art, we've also seen the uh, crypto dick butts floor drop as well. Uh, We saw Renga pump and then subsequently pull back yet again as expected. Uh, Whereas last night, everyone that was holding Renga was suddenly saying, Yo, we're going to rub this in Nick's face tomorrow. Who's Yo, that paper that? hand that paper Who's hand sold that? out like a little bitch. And Who, uh, and, who said that? Uh, Kix was tweeting that. I saw it last was night. He? Don't act like I didn't see that. Um, and so it was actually someone in the replies to Kix. Uh, and then uh, he just sort of affirmed that. And I, I just want you all to know that, like, this thing is never making it back over to ETH, okay? that Just r- mark my words on this one. Uh, no one. It, that was a temporary pump. A lot of people flooded in. What? would the D farmer tweet something? And suddenly everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's back! It's back, everybody! We're going to the moon!" And now it's just gone once again because there's literally no backing of this project. It's complete. It's complete garbage. So. The Twitter,
4: the Twitter people are out really hard. They're really trying to make Renga happen. I'm with Nick on this. I'm getting almost bearish on Renga. Like, there, it's just. So many people saying it's going to five, it's going to five, it's going to five. And it's like, uh, there's 2,000, like, there's like 1,500 listed for sale at every time, and like a 7K. Like, it's a long way to 5K, 5E.
0: Yeah, I think it might be uh, on the way to two and a half. I don't know um, about five.
4: There's no way that's happening.
3: Okay. Just remember, it's not making it over two floor. All of y'all are a <laughs> bunch, bunch of jokers collecting this. So it's like, oh, the, but I've never seen a movement like this since Board Ape Yacht Club. Get the hell out of here! It's literally all people who made money off of Board Ape Yacht Club that are like, I've never seen a movement like this before. You, you were, you were broke when when you bought Board Ape Yacht Club. That was where you were at, and you you took a flyer. Now you suddenly have a bunch of money, and suddenly you're like world class art purveyors. I, I, I just think it's uh, a bunch of nonsense here. More importantly. What's up with the logo on OpenSea right now? Why is there a lightning bolt? What does it mean?
1: They're and promoting
3: their Bowie drop. They're Bowie bu- on the blockchain. David Bowie. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay, on well, September
0: the floor... September 30th, the David Bowie estate will reveal, or will unveil, Bowie on the blockchain.
3: There's 15 items, and the floor on this is 0. 0.75. I mean, that seems pretty low. It's pretty low, but... There is 10 ETH of volume. The last sale was nine minutes ago for
0: 0.095. So so, you, yeah, I've no, never nope. seen
3: a collection like this since Board API Club. But let me tell you, the community <laughs> is absolutely going crazy. Uh, <laughs> just all the activity in the Discord. Let me tell you, that Discord, absolutely wild. People getting just, just crazy in there. The amount of alpha that's being leaked in that Discord versus all of the Discords that you're in where there's just – not a high quality of alpha being leaked is just absurd. Highly recommend you're going to have to buy one of these and you're going to have to buy a Renga in order to uh, suddenly have any insight whatsoever into the future of NFTs and to buy uh, so that you can find another NFT that you buy and it's going to go down 80% in volume. Um, so, or sorry, in price. Let me so. tell
0: you though, uh, Bowie on the blockchain, some of these artists, actually, all of the artists are pretty damn legit. We got defaced or defaced, uh, ferocious. I don't know, Glam Beckett, Jake, Jonathan Wolf, who is pals with Ferocious, Ferocious Lorona, Pussy Riot, and then Young so, and Sick.
3: Got it. So it's the same 15 artists again that we keep circulating and saying <laughs> this: these are great NFT artists. I mean, they're great, but it's just like, why, why is it the same 15, 20 artists? Like, uh, we're using the same people that Time Magazine used a year ago. Respect to all those artists, but like- Come on now. Like, you can find some other artists at this point in time. But, but Nick,
0: Nick, Web3 art is different than the traditional art world. It's not just the same 15 artists being curated over and over and over again. It's different now.
3: Uh, Okay. Yeah. I mean,
0: this is just – it's different, Nick. I
4: I love this version of Nick. I can just sit back and sip my coffee. I don't have to do a 20-minute rant about how everything is garbage. Keep going, Nick.
3: I mean, it it is – uh, whatever, not everything is garbage, but it was uh, uh, I was chatting with someone last night who was uh, talking a bunch of crap about the generative art. and she was like, she was like, "How is this art?" And I was like, damn, okay, well I actually <laughs> okay, I don't need I, I actually do view it as art, uh, yeah. generative art. but um, aside from that, I, I think it, it's hard to find anything in this market that's gonna actually sustain. And instead, there's a bunch of us that made money last year, and are just dreaming of the days when we can like get into a pump on Ethereum that's not on Solana uh, that actually goes up. Solana, on the other hand, you know, it seems to just uh, do decently. So if if you're trying trying to make money, I, but simultaneously, I I've had people that are like, "Yo, why are you talking about Solana?" And I'm like because that's where do you want to make money or do you want to just trade eth like i don't i don't, I don't, I, don't know. I don't know
0: yeah so there's an expression in like content where it's like the the audience doesn't know what they want you have to tell them and if anyone pushes back on us talking about like solana then my response is like go f yourself because it's literally the second most relevant vertical in NFT. so yeah you're going to talk about it um my thing about like the whole art curation thing what you're saying, Nick, is you do have a point. Like people need to like discern the things that Nick says that are a little bit ridiculous because he's uh, got an emotional reaction to an NFT collection that he lost money on or sold out of, and, and and thinks is irrelevant. That's like the Renga take, right? Where you just say Renga's garbage. There's nothing backing it. It's going to zero. But there are probably people in the audience that agree with you. So I'm not even trying to like say well, I'm, Nick's out I'm, to lunch on I'm that. I'm being
3: take. Par- I'm being partially sarcastic on yeah, it yeah, only yeah. because only because it's more entertaining. Like. Uh, because it's going to be boring. It, it, let me give you a, a more nuanced response. Well, it may go up and it may go down, but uh, you know, like <laughs> no. uh, there's a good chance that it's probably not going to see like a drastic appreciation. But I do uh, think that it, you know may it may gradually go up a little bit. But like, do we really think it will? Anyway,
0: no, I, I love like Nick's exaggerated takes. But what Nick is saying about curating the same 15 artists over and over and over again that have been curated since like 14 15 months ago maybe even longer at this point 16 17 months ago is totally true and one of the artists in the space that uh, you know I'm closest with uh, you know out of the the kind of artists that that I'm friendly with um, I was talking to them when we had an event at Christie's and we were talking about, he was like, you know, basically saying like, how exactly like can you get in the mix with Christie's? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Because at that event, it was the same, it was like Mad Dog Jones. Um, you know, I, I forget the other artist but it was like the third or fourth time that they had been, you know, shown at Christie's. And we just had a moment where we were like, Web3 art world is identical to the tr- traditional art world in terms of the, the gatekeeping and, in my opinion, some of the uh, pretentious kind of mindset that the people that are involved uh, have. I don't know if anyone like disagrees. that If, if you go to those events, they're, they're pretty pretentious in my opinion. I don't know. Go, go ahead, Nick. Jesus
3: Christ. Well, we're not getting invited back to those events. I'll tell you that much. But uh, look, I, th- these are some of my favorite friends, P.O., uh, please ignore the commentary from him. I, I am like my friend Pio here, just have a deep level of respect for the people at Christie's, the people at Sotheby's and a lot of the, the artists who were there, um, other than mad dog Jones that Pio couldn't even remember. What, what uh, do you, mean? You, all, you all are some <laughs> I, of the I greats. Love the, those artists are incredibly talented. You, you all are some of the greats. I, you know, to a certain degree, I actually will give credit um, Time Magazine keeps adding actual artists to, to their roster. And for them, I'm like, okay, like they actually, uh, there's two things. One is like building your reputation as a curator um, or a collector. And then the other thing, like how many people need to buy another X copy? Like, what am I missing out on? Like, do I really need, a, like, I'm not in a, I have two uh, of the, whatever Max the Payne. cheapest ones. Yeah, the Max Payne. But like, it, am I? It, it's it, there's nothing changing about my life. I'm not framing that on the wall. It's not anywhere near uh, my TV. Well, that's your decision. Yeah, it is my decision. It. But I'm just saying, like, I don't look. I, I think for for X he just is more relevant because that uh, that they, they were early on in the crypto space. So I'm a, a lot huge, of. Pe- I'm a huge fan of X Copy's work. You know, even if he came out today, uh, okay. But the, uh, the bottom line is there's still millions of other forms uh, that you're entitled to that. I just think that there's millions of artists that create incredible work that is equally compelling. And, and it, and like, I don't know from, from the, the, it's pretty clear to me that like when you go to this David Bowie collection, that the, uh, no one's, like, speculating heavy on it, and I, no, I just... Nothing's
0: for sale yet, is the thing. There's nothing, like, for sale... Well, now it looks like someone bumped the floor prices up to 3.5 and 4.2. It just came out. There's only 10 ETH the volume, and all the sales, I think, are the primary sales. Well, yeah, so it's like, it, we're, we're still early. In 24 that, hours, we'll have a clearer picture.
3: There was one sold for 0.15 23 minutes ago, one for 0.3 from, from
0: Bowie Deployer. So these uh, are... Yeah, from Bowie Deployer. So they're being like sold on the primary market right now. We'll know more in twenty four hours. We don't know anything so, about this
4: one. Just to follow, I mean, like we keep having this conversation. There's going to be a few people that I think are, you know, viewed as kind of traditional fine art, whatever. They're going to be uh, no names when those sell. When the QQL sell, that's that's usually a, actually a bearish sign for the economy, like a uh, fine art does well in bear signals, but i still think we we just can never ever ever separate this from the crypto financial speculator aspect of the under it's like this is what people are here for this is why we keep having this problem with royalties where people are like why am i paying 10 percent royalty?" it's not that they're against the artist but it's like i just lost like eighty thousand dollars and then i'm also paying ten percent like all these things are um you know cover from like financial market thinking but so that's Jesse, your, you're, you're, your, you just you're, keep you, cutting. Yeah, out. you're
0: you're, cu- you're cutting out. Uh, you're I'll, cutting I'll, out pretty I'll big, Jesse. Out. But I, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of we, we got the picture. But real quick, Nick, on what you were saying about Xcopy. So on Node mode, me and Node like have, you know, dove deep into the stuff that we're talking about. So we've kind of already had these conversations about, you know, the different artists. Not that our word is bond. I mean, Node's raising his hand. It, Node, was there something that you wanted to add to what Nick re- was talking it about? It requires
3: me to repurpose it and resay it for people to actually listen. But please go but, ahead. But now.
0: you weren't saying the same thing. You were saying Nick's take, which is different. Node, go ahead.
5: Well, I'm just curious if Nick has ever uh, watched Node Mode. Let's start there.
0: Yes, I have. <laughs> That's a hard no. I <laughs> have. That's a hard no. It's a hard node, no pun intended. I, I have.
3: Con- you have? Pl- okay, please okay. continue. But I-, no, I, don't watch, for, that- I don't watch all of them, to be fair. I-, I really just
5: wanted to know that. I also wanted to comment and say, you know, it- it's okay for PO to have an opinion, Nick, uh, on Christie's. I highly doubt any of them are listening at the moment. So exactly. I think we're safe here, <laughs> uh, this is a safe space, uh, believe it or not. I think many of us are, are friendly. Uh, but I, I do think just to just to kind of put a put a bow on it, as Pio would say, uh, the the traditional I, I think that the traditional art space and the the digital art space, it's always going to be there's always going to be parallels and there's always going to be uh like my, my thesis is always going to kind of maintain, I think, which is that all value accrues to the top. There's simply just you cannot have uh, millions of popular artists. It just doesn't work that way. So there's always, people are always going to kind of uh, coalesce around a few artists that seem really impactful. And I definitely think X copy is one of them. So uh, I, I, for one, feel like I cannot get my hands on enough X copy. Uh, and, I, and I did, by the way, uh, finally won a bid. Uh, on an auction yesterday on that artist Skylux that I was uh, lamenting over. I bid on another piece of his yesterday, and I basically told everyone, back off. Don't you dare bid against me. And nobody did, and I won. (laughs) So I'm pretty happy about that.
0: So you used mafia-like techniques. You threatened them with your uh, monstrous physical presence. You had them shaking in their boots, and you won the piece. Uh, I like
5: it. even K. Dean was like, uh as soon as i bid on it the starting bid was four ETH, and kd was like hey sorry man i just bid five ETH," and i like i like uh halfway exploded at him in the dms and he was like nah just kidding man i'd never i'd never i'd never bid against you so it (laughs) it, it felt nice to know that kd had my back uh and and then the guy that had won if you remember his name was kelvin on the previous bid good old kelvin said hey you know next one I'll let you take. So that was very kind uh, of him as well. So pretty excited that I picked up that piece. Uh, I think I retweeted it this morning. It just the, the character that this guy's created just, it just slaps you right in the face every time you look at it. So I'm stoked. I'm going to get, I, I've already got a, a print coming my way uh, of the piece that I lost. Actually, I'm going to, going to frame that one and I'll probably frame this next one. So
0: that's bad ass, man. Yeah, there's a lot of action on the art side of the market that I'm interested in. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it too much on the show because I feel like no matter what, if we say the name of a collection, people start aping it and I don't want it to run. And with Max Payne, that happened. We talked about it at like 0.5. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like it at like 0.45. I'm going to let it pull back a little bit. And then it, now it's at like 0.62. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about that again until... Yeah, come on now. Um, real quick, I want uh, to throw to Gene Parmesan. You have your hand raised. Then we'll throw to NFT God. Then we'll get into Weather, Gene Parmesan, what's on your mind?
6: Well, I'm just thinking about ETH lately. I wonder what you guys think about ETH. I feel like, you know, it's, I feel like it's holding this kind of 1,300 ish range, but I feel like it just it's it has to nuke down to like just given the state of the markets, given where macro is, given that Papa J Powell is going to keep re- raising interest rates. Yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of trying to time things, but I feel like it has to nuke down to like 1000 or 1100, even maybe 900 in the next couple of months. And I, I kind of want to buy in size there, but I, wanna, I wonder, you know, cuz you know, if you can get ETH cheap, you can get NFTs pretty cheap.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got a good point. I uh, Nick might have
6: might be following the technicals.
0: I don't know how close he's been following them. Uh we've had a lot on our plate, Nick. Have you been paying attention?
3: You don't think that I I don't load up TradingView 6 times a day still? <laughs> Th- what's there going? You go. What's going wrong with you? Or um, I, uh, I haven't been making any trades though. I agree. Um, I'm waiting for it to go down. I'd like to see it at least down towards a thousand. Um, nothing has changed at the moment, and uh, yeah, I'll be waiting to see. I haven't been, although to Pio's point, I haven't been uh, making any trades at this point. Uh, there's because there's not um, there's not action that. Uh, seems compelling for me right now. Uh, I missed the trade that I wanted to last week. And so that was the um that was it. I or, or earlier this week. Um so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not you doing anything. Short? I'm just standing. What's hey, that? You
6: could draw some do you ever
3: short anything? Um I I do in the stock market, but I only do that with put options. I usually don't do uh shorting itself primarily just because I haven't I don't know. It becomes once I'm in short mode. Like I'm. What happened when I did that during uh, the COVID trade? I made a bunch of money actually shorting the market, and it was probably one of the most negative feelings that I ever had. Um, And and then I just got in this habit of looking for uh, negative news, um, and and that was the source of everything. And so uh, it just screwed up my own personal energy. Um, and so I was like, you know, this <laughs> this this is not worth it. That uh, makes so I sense. Ha- actually, I, I haven't been shorting since. I, I only go long um, at this point. Sometimes I'll buy puts as a hedge, uh, and so I'll do that in a small way. And the only puts that I really buy is I buy them on the SPY. Um, so yeah, I'm that that's the only thing that I do if I'm trading it. I haven't had time to do that though. Uh, so. Yeah, that's about it. And in general, um, you know, if you're trying to make money in options, usually the best way is selling them, uh, not buying them. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of just on the sidelines. I'm either in ETH or in cash. Is kind of how I've been approaching it.
0: Well, there you go. And NFT God has his hand raised. I always like to hear from him. NFT God, what's on your mind?
7: Yeah, I was just going to say, I've been fully immersing myself in the art world over the last couple of weeks. I'm preparing uh, for an appearance on an art podcast uh, a little bit later this week. Uh, So I've someone, uh, I think Knight sent me like a list of all these uh, artists and I've I've been going through each one and I'm about to pick up a couple I really like. I just think that in a bear market where there's going to be no royalties for like the next couple of years, it's hard to find a use case for NFTs better than art at the moment. So uh, while everyone's selling art right now, I'm going to be picking up a couple. So I have uh, something to talk about later this week. It's Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard, was it you who sent me the list? I got to look back at my DMs, but it's hard to beat art right now, especially when there's not going to be any royalties for years.
0: NFT God stepping into the art arena, and I have a hunch that I know what that podcast is that he's going to be appearing on. Spencer, and, you have your hand
3: raised. Well, real ahead. quick, just uh, remember, you know, if you if you are looking for any upcoming artists, I've heard of this one named X Copy, so check that one out. Uh, <laughs> NFT God, make sure to bring that one up. Hot tip, Spencer. Russ too. Yeah,
8: I, I was just going to respond a little bit to to Gene Parmesan. Um, I think like if you're looking at ETH right now. One thing that I encourage everyone to do is look at ETH in any other currency besides U.S. dollar, and it's down a lot. And part of that is because U.S. dollar is absolutely ripping. Like if you look look at the ETH to British pound chart, right? Um, If if you're trading in U.S. dollars, you just like also to account for the fact that U.S. dollars is doing great. And so um, that's like part of this. Now, the other thing that I'd say to you is I tend to agree with you that I think that ETH feels a little bit high. However, I think it's easy to be like, oh, ETH is for sure going under a thousand. But like if you look at the last time ETH went under a thousand, like th- when 3AC got liquidated, it really felt like the market was gonna get way more regulated as a result of all the liquidations and all like that that environment felt a lot scarier for crypto specifically than the environment does right now. Like thirteen hundred dollars is still like a huge drawdown from the ATH of 4,800. And so, like, I find it a little bit hard to imagine a scenario where things feel worse than they did when 3AC got liquidated, even though the macro environment probably does feel worse than then. um, I think, you know, there isn't a big macro catalyst for at least a little bit. And when there isn't, like, ETH has just been ranging when there isn't a macro catalyst because most of the big funds like the volume even on ETH is down a lot and most of the big funds right now have made their play they're either in ETH for the long haul or they're not or they're waiting on another macro catalyst to make the next move but I think there's a good chance right now that CPI numbers come in um, you know better than expected like like there's some chance that we have bad news in the economy which is good news for rates or like that we're getting something under control like it's not necessarily true that the next macro catalyst is gonna be bad. And if it's good, I think consensus has been, and we've seen this recovery and like this recovery bounce in the last like unit of time has just been that like if there's any good everyone's so bearish right now that if there's anything any good news at all, we're gonna rip. And you know, if 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 you're betting on a rip, like ETH is the thing to hold. So I agree that I think in the next 12 months we'll see cheaper ETH, but like My limit orders are not set below a thousand.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, Gene Parmesan
6: response to that, and then we're going to get into the weather report. Yeah, no that that sounds right. Like I'm not when I say like, oh, it's going to go down maybe like nine hundred, you know, triple digits. It's more like I could see like a wick down, like almost like a flash crash. So I want to set buys like around there. You know, I don't think it's going to like be sustained. In the seven, eight, nine hundreds, i think i think we'll probably see like an intraday wick down and i and the real you know, i agree like I, if i thought it was going to go if i had that much conviction was going to go down i would be shorting it which would be like you know standing in front of a steamroller steamroller pick up pennies as they say so yeah i think that that makes sense
0: there you go uh well king kicks we'll let you take away the weather report a little bit of a, a late start here but we're very curious what the weather in the nft space looks like
2: awesome it's Friday. We're gonna to listen to a little house music and do the weather report today. Buckle up your seatbelt. This one's gonna be pretty big. It's Friday, the thirtieth of September, twenty twenty-two. Open sea volume twelve million. So that's two days in the eleven, like uh, in the twelve million dollar range. So that's actually really nice. Big uptick from earlier this week when we had nine point four million dollars in volume. Let's take a quick look at the leaders. Uh, Not too many changes here. We got Apes hanging above 80. We got Mutants just below 16. Punks at 64. Moonbirds trying to stay above 10. Doodles 7.5. Clonex 6.7. Top news over the last 24 hours. QQL continues to lead the OpenSea ranks. Marketplace X2Y2 confronted Tyler Hobbs after the artist blocked QQL from being listed on the platform x2y2 came back saying code is law and qql made its own law what they really meant is we want some of them fees let us sell some of these on our platform floor on mint passes is up 40 percent despite the drama sitting right around 20 e ranga the arch nemesis of nft nick is back in the top two spot on OpenSea. ranga chatter continues on twitter and the collection saw high volume yesterday, which took the floor price from 1.2 up to 1.7. Now we're sitting around 1.5. 10KTF gave out more Ape rewards. I don't know where they get all this Ape from. It's like they're just printing it out of thin air. and They just hand it out to people. It's almost like Gaio Siri bought Bordebiot Club in June and none of us ever found out or something like that. <laughs> so anyways, the Battletown participants got some Ape rewards. You can now see how much you earned and claim apes starting from October 13th until November 13th. And I saw some people getting like 70, 80 apes. So that's a nice little stimmy airdrop there. Congrats to the holders there. Jenkins the valet is up in volume after the team announced upcoming book burn. Holders have the choice to burn the book and pay 0.08 ETH for an Azure root, which will later be redeemed for a PFP or stake to receive DAO tokens. I don't know, man. That's really confusing. Sounds like Pixel Vault to me. Hopefully, it's not. Four on Jenkins went up to 0.8 ETH, down to 0.5 ETH. Uh, looks like a lot of chopping that action off of the news, but congrats to all the holders over there. Last but not least, let's look over at crypto. Bitcoin in the mid-19s. ETH was at 1337. It hit the lead number, which is awesome. Uh, and it's just continuing to chop in that $1,300 range. Uh, so we're just seeing a lot of consolidation in crypto pretty decent volume uh, on the open sea side just continuing to stay about you know 20 30 percent above the lows this week. so we could be set up for a pretty good weekend. I'm pretty excited back to UPO.
0: Well, that's what I'm talking about. Great weather report. As usual, kick some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter that Signal releases Monday through Friday. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. Kieran Warwick, the co-founder of the open world blockchain game Alluvium, says that he's building something that has never been done before in mainstream or Web3 gaming. So more interest, more efforts being put forward toward Web3 gaming, following game from Digidaigaku, uh, you know, the other A16Z-backed Web3 gaming collections. Um, We're seeing more action there. Flip.xyz launched Fantasy Flip, an NFT trading competition where uh, players paper trade 100 Ethereum for real prizes, including merch and NFTs. Fantasy Flip starts on Monday. Uh, Warner Music Group announced it would partner with OpenSea to accelerate its artist expansion into Web3. Probably Nothing is their first NFT collection, and it's going to allow holders to license songs from a members-only community music library, attend exclusive live events dinners with music executives, and access upcoming music drops. So we're seeing development on the music's uh, vertical in Web3. Last but not least, Meta has introduced cross-posting and sharing on Instagram and Facebook. U.S. users can now connect their wallets, share, and cross-post their NFT collections across both apps. So you're seeing Meta continue to integrate into Web3. No surprise there, considering they changed their name from Facebook to Meta. Nifty Nick, you know something about Facebook slash Meta. What's going on?
3: I I do, and I have nothing to comment on that. I was going to say, you know, shout out to Warner uh, Music Group for coming up with the innovative name of probably nothing as part of their NFT drop. I mean, wow. Uh, y- y- maybe the next one will be called wag me. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, and then after that, they're going to be doing a GM, very exciting times for Warner. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's your comment. That was it. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're all using the same. Uh, it's, like imagine you're searching on Google and you're like, ah, fuck, WagMees.com is, is taken. I can't. Ah, oh, man, that brand name is not going to work out. There's one of like the four uh, Web three native uh, phrases that are integrated. I've, it, it's it, at this point, it's uh, or DeGen maybe their next project after that. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that they're uh, as as large brands show up. It just reminds me of that meme with the, the guy with the hoodie and the skateboard. The um, Yeah, and, Steve yeah me. Yeah. And, On, uh, unsaved
0: by the bell or whatever the show that was. Yeah, where he's yeah. like, hey, kids.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I just, I just feel like... How you doing, fellow kids? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how the uh corporate overlords are entering the market is they're just showing up and being like, all right, everybody, wag me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically how they show up. But you do have to keep in mind that we will get to the point that all these verticals are disrupted by web three. It just will take time. And realistically, I think the people that execute the best, I've been on record saying this will be the little guy, not the big guy, so to speak. And they'll kind of they'll pave the way for the big guys to be able to contribute. It's just gonna take a long time. And the fact that we do this show every day, we're making content week in and week out, it feels like we're really, really far away and we are. But, you know, when you kind of zoom out, it might only be a few years. So, look, I let burn.eth on stage, Crypto Diamonds. Uh, I don't believe you've been on the show before, but I could be wrong. You got hashtag Bitcoin in your profile, corporate turned crypto. Your time zone is profit. You have been on the show because I remember that line. What is going on, burn.eth? How's it
9: going, Pio? How's it going, everyone? No, I, I just came on, on stage because NFT was so uh, emotional about this uh, Ranga story. So I just wanted to give a... R- real quick, do you own?
0: Do you own any Renga?
9: Of course, I own Renga.
0: Well, there you go. So, someone heard Nick say something bad about an NFT collection. They yeah. own it. They came. No, on stage let this guy to defend it. Nick. This Nick needs to learn a lesson. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. I'd like as unbiased. Hey, teach me of an a opinion, lesson. As, as really unbiased excited of an about it as possible on Renga
9: as unbiased
0: as possible, please. As
9: unbiased as possible, the art is pretty cool, right? And diverse. That's what I like about it the most it's the kind of collection that does something for for everything you know you you take usually when a collection reveals you look at it and very quickly i know what what the rarities are what what the feel for the collection is and with renga the fact that they've been able to to reveal the collection with this black box process that makes it a slow reveal has really added more excitement to it and more mystery to it and then you have really a different depth than in other collections. I can't think of another, another collection that has this kind of depth. So it's, it's something new, it's something fresh for the market. It, it wasn't overhyped. Most people didn't even know about it. Although uh, Dirty Robots is, is, is a, a quite renowned artist, most people didn't know about this Black thing. And it just revealed it in a way that was really interesting. That's my opinion. D- diamonds, here's the issue, though, with the art. Look
7: in the crowd right now. How many Ranga PFPs do you see? The art just doesn't work as a
0: PFP.
6: Oh damn! <laughs> so, oh, so, shit. So, re- he's coming re- out with hold on. So real
1: quick, real quick. I, real quick. I just, just
0: as, as the moderator, as the moderator. Um, yeah. So I appreciate uh, diamonds joining the show. In general, I'm I'm more interested in in discussing things that maybe people don't own. I own Ranga, so like you know, I don't like I I don't have like a uh, a sort of opinion oh, look here. This.
3: Look at this biased guy still holding it.
0: No, no, Ranga's going to zero, okay? Literally, it's going to zero. So there you go. Ranga sucks. So anyway.
1: But again, um, you, no,
0: yeah, yeah, Demons, Demons. we're right. going to move on from it. Uh, Deep, you got your hand raised. What's going on, Dedeep? How you doing?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate the fact that even though I don't really know much about Ranga, I would like to say that Ranga sucks and all <laughs> of hate Ranga.
0: <laughs> there thank, we go
1: that's an unbiased
0: opinion yeah. right there <laughs> that was pretty good spencer you have your hand raised what's going on buddy
8: yeah i, I just like i, I think i i i don't own any ranga i agree i like the art but i think that like the thing with it is that there's not much else to talk about because we don't know anything else about the project and i think you know it'll be more interesting for me to talk about i think maybe PO. this is the point you're getting at when we have other more tangible things other than like, yeah, like there's a reveal process and there's art (laughs) and like, yeah, I was going to say, but like, ah.
0: (laughs) yeah, my thing is like, look, if, if there's like, so like, if there's serious, like deep analysis that kind of goes into, you know, the, the theory behind why something's pumping or or why something, you know, is going up, I want to hear it. Right. But like at the same time, there tends to be a lot of bias towards collections that are owned in the NFT space in general, and a lot. And I want to focus on the content side. So, you know, let's let's make some analytical content. Kicks. You have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo?
2: Yeah, you said you wanted like deep analysis. I think Renga's going to five ETH because Nick hates it. That's it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I like that analysis. That's like something that I could totally get behind for sure. Is uh is just the idea that that Ranga is gonna pump solely on a counter trade for Nick. But yeah, there isn't that much else happening in the market. Like Jesse said earlier, I like his thesis of It's an indicator that we're in a bear market because the fine arts stuff, aka QQL by Hobbs and Dandelion, we saw a multi-million dollar sale of a CryptoPunk. We still haven't, you know, kind of dove into what, where that comes from and what that is. Signal has your hand raised. Obviously, I always want to hear from Signal. Signal, what's going on?
10: It's still Renga. Um, That's fine. That's fine. Okay, cool. No, I don't own Renga, but um, the thing for me, I just keep seeing like this particular one loud voice on Twitter just keep going on about Renga I'm not really seeing in discords and like multiple discords people talking about uh so not the Renga discord but different discords that I'm in talking about Renga it's not really a conversation that comes up quite naturally um and so I feel like the narrative is being forced rather than just sort of a community that really likes it and is everywhere talking about Renga and that's why a bit that's why I feel it's a bit false and it's more of a um, I'll just keep screaming about this project until, you know, everybody agrees that it's worth going, that that it's worth going for, um, rather than it just sort of organically taking shape.
0: Yeah. A little summer 2021, uh, thesis behind it, right? It's like, we're just going to keep saying that this one's going up. Uh, kicks, you have your hand raised. You lived through summer 2021. You've seen this before. Sorry, also- i trying to
2: take it down. I don't want to talk to you.
0: Oh, <laughs> is that, is that true? No, okay. But yeah, no, I, I don't
2: know why I keep trying to take the hand off. it's not working. There okay, but
0: I, uh, regardless, I just want to ask you, Kicks, because I think that people really enjoy hearing the way you think about the market. Obviously, you just had a home run. You bought QQL. Your thesis there was just, shouldn't this be twenty ETH? It's hot, Tyler Hobbs. The floor price is literally twenty ETH here, less than forty-eight hours after you minted it. Um, but like when you look at Renga, you are a holder of Renga, right? At this point, you still have some.
2: Yes, I still have uh, one or two myself. And then actually at Crypto Raiders, uh, we have like a dungeon that's dropping a bunch of Ranga NFTs. So, Um, but I totally agree what people are saying. I I think part of the thing is, too, is that like since there's such a lack, I, I think that people have always discussed things that they really like and they're really like, you know, bullish on. But since there's such a lack of things like happening right now, it's like way more transparent you know, in this kind of market than like in another market. But I completely agree with what people are saying. A lot of times it does feel like it's, it's forced. Um, but like for me, I never really bought so much because of like people like, you know, like tweeting about it on Twitter, just more so betting on it based on like the, the price action and, and, and how things have done. Like, I, I I think it's very likely that these can just sit between one or two ETH for like two or three months. I was doing some research, like it took doodles like four, three and a half months in in one of like the biggest bull runs of all time to get above five ETH. You know what I mean? So it took doodles three and a half months to get above five ETH. Like, so even if Ranga is going to go to the moon, it's going to take a long time in a bear market just because people want liquidity. You know, there's naturally going to be more sellers and buyers and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I definitely understand what people are saying when they feel like sometimes it's like artificially pumped. And, I mean, also, people are getting, like, way too excited about some of the moves. It's like, you know, Ranga going from 1.2 to 1.5. People are like, oh, you look at that! You (laughs) fucking idiot! You didn't buy that, dude! (laughs) You fucking dumbass, dude! After fees, that's 10%. Dummy! Faded us
3: again, bro! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was basically that tweet last thing. Yo, we're going to go on stage and we're going to rub it in his face because yo, Ranga went up 0.2 ETH from where he sold it like a dumb loser.
0: <laughs> I love it when people try to dunk on like other people because they sold the NFT and then, you know, it ran up by like 0.3 but in reality after fees that's like 0.05. That's the, that's the best. Nick, I don't you unmute, I don't know. Oh no, um,
3: that's I already I already said my uh, you
0: said your piece. Gene uh, yeah. Parmesan, you have your hand raised. What's going on?
6: Yeah, well I, I paper handed Ranga a little bit, but I'm I'm not biased. But I do someone said something about like first of all, I do think it's gonna, you know, it feels a little bit inevitable because I feel like the price action is good. It's not like um like Goblin Town went up so parabolically that like in hindsight, it was almost destined to come down just as fast. Whereas I, I Renga's making more gradual moves, like from you know, 0.5 to like 1. Point, you know, like it's coming up and down in like a healthy way. And then just real quick, someone said, Oh, like they don't like it because right now it's just the art. There's no they haven't announced anything, there's just art. But I think, you know, there's this great quote from Silicon Valley on HBO that's like, you know, if you show revenue, people will ask how much and it will never be enough. And so, like, how startups just not show revenue, and I think the same thing happens with NFTs, where you just see some of these NFTs get stuck in this treadmill of like promising, you know, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, like just having to make constant announcements. And that's what's so beautiful about art, you know, QQL or Ranga or just any art. It's like it's just the art. Like you're not sitting in this freaking content treadmill of like we got to announce a video game and then a TV show and crap, our floor prices dropped. Oh, we got to announce staking. We got to announce an airdrop. So I think it's actually bullish for collections that they're not. There isn't some, oh, we're, we're staking now or, we're, you know, we're, we're doing an airdrop now. um You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We, j- we literally dropped a clip on uh, TikTok and Instagram from the show that we actually took down uh, from YouTube because the first 30 minutes was a, a bad joke that didn't work.
7: Okay. Well, some people
3: <laughs> like the joke. The, the reality is 50% of people just didn't get it and didn't have that refined taste. But uh, we took it down and I allowed you to do that despite the fact that, you know, yeah, half the audience may not understand it.
0: Yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, you know, and in in that clip, I literally say like, "I'll be bullish on Ranga as long as the founders say absolutely nothing. Like, literally, just say absolutely nothing." Um, but Benjamin, you have your hand raised. What's going on?
11: Yeah, so um, I wanted to comment on what Gene was just saying about like them not really, you know, showing their hand. But one of the things I think people can look back to is the art of seasons and how they. Um, established that project to be dynamic NFTs before most people were even talking about dynamic NFTs. So it, it's clear that they're at least um, looking to innovate and add new things. And I think even with any kind of silence from the Ranga team doesn't necessarily mean they wouldn't be looking to do new cool things. And when, when you look at a project during you know periods of high volume, and the average price is, um, you know, decently higher than the floor, and you see people sniping um, above the floor and like mid rares and stuff. Those are typically people who are going to hold those and not necessarily look to sell because the liquidity is near the floor, and and the highest gains are near, you know, the the top of the rares. So people usually buying in the middle of the pack or buying for aesthetics and buying to hold. So there definitely are some positive indicators with the project itself in addition to the art.
3: Absolutely. Uh, how, how many times did the baby feed this morning, Ben? Because we're trying <laughs> to get some signal into the market. And so if you could give us that number before 9 a.m. was what we were aiming for there. Yeah, we're, we're on we're on number four since uh, 3 a.m. So
11: where he, he's a, a hungry baby. I don't know if you guys can hear him. I'm yes. To...
12: Yeah, no, we yeah, can.
0: Yeah,
3: we, uh, we can. It's, and it's, 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 it's great background, but I just yeah, want to like confirm it. this. It's, it's for, good confirm, white noise. Confirm <laughs> yeah. the quantity, yeah. It's very I'll soothing. Think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that background noise all day, Ben. In fact, I, I think you got the best audio on the show right now. Um, but yeah, just to, to wrap on Ranga, uh, I personally own Ranga too, Kix owns Ranga. There's several Ranga owners on stage right now. Um, my number one thing is I just want to have the show focus on content, not have people have responses to a negative take on an NFT that they own and then just try to like you know defend the NFT. Um, it's all about content. So if you're interested in creating content, definitely come on stage. We have someone that is a content creator, Creator full time these days. Uh, Bell NFTs, the host of it, the If You Know You Know show. Bell, what is going on?
13: Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, wow, well, I was going to talk a little bit about Ringa, but now that we're no, moving do it, past do it, subject, <laughs> do it. I no longer own it, so yeah, I have an unbiased um, position on this. I think it's a cool project. I don't have any hate on it, you know. Benjamin actually mentioned Art of Seasons, as I was going to mention also. They're trying, and they're trying just as any other project would have done, right? I think it's just the fact that, like everybody else mentioned, there's not much else going on right now. So it's either that or you have art, which was another another point that I was going to make. I can't remember the last time in which so many people were interested in going into art and looking at it instead of collectibles. I think that that's really cool. And I think we continue to see it all the way through Art Basel, like we did last year. Art Basel was like, a, I think Art Basel reminded people, you know, there's a lot of art. There's a lot of artists out there. There's a lot going on on that side. And I think that right now, since not much else is going on, it's going to be double that. I don't know what you guys think.
0: No, I mean, I think you're totally right. The art stuff is – so the art side of the NFT space to me is like the elephant in the room. I mean, look, we've we've been talking about this on the show for months is the the way that you get those really, really crazy inflated valuations is from the art side where something becomes like a quote-unquote masterpiece that like a rich billionaire is interested uh, in buying – And it's in line with what Parmesan was saying about, like, you know, the idea of like having to report earnings and all of that, giving like a sober valuation to a startup, essentially, right? When you look at Yuga Labs, for example, right now, uh, by and large, it's a startup. The play there would be that the apes and mutants and the other like profile picture assets, the collectibles in the collection become historically significant, culturally relevant crossover hits that then almost like crossover into like the the fine art collectible side, right? Like a, an OG Mickey Mouse figurine from 1958 or something like that, right? Like grail collectibles. Um, but that's how you get the crazy wins, the crazy inflated uh, valuation. So when I look at, uh, all right, I'll just bring it up. Like on the art side, the goda stuff, You know, we've talked about that on Node's show. So like the the Gallery of Digital Art, Gota, they're dropping all of these different art collections. My only thing that I'm interested in seeing playing out with those is the supply in those collections is relatively high. Like Nina Abney, Nina Chanel's collection. She's, uh, you know, apparently doing quite well in the traditional art world right now. Uh, really, the talk of the town uh, here in New York in that world. There are 5,100 pieces in her collection. That's my concern. That's like a relatively high supply for a bear market. But if, you know, these fine art, uh, traditional art world entities are going to come in, I have to think that her NFT collection would be one that they keep their eyes on. So at point, four. So what's that in U S dollars, 527 bucks. That doesn't sound that bad to me to get exposure there it's a risky bet in the sense that it's basically venture capital. It's almost like, you know, they say in the NBA draft, when you're drafting these players, it's like venture capital with athletes, right? You're you're placing these bets, and if you pick the right person, then they could literally be like a game changer for your franchise for 8 to 12 years. If you pick the wrong person, it goes down in history as like a, a waste of a pick. That's kind of what you're doing when you're buying an NFT art piece for $527. You're hoping that something will happen that creates a situation where this artist gets anointed as a big deal and the market will perceive them as incredibly valuable. And that's when the the valuations can just, they can just explode. That's what happened with Xcopy, right? We saw that $400,000 sale a couple months ago. The previous sale on the piece was like 200 bucks. So someone placed that $200 venture capital bet on an artist, I believe it was in 2018, and it paid off to $400,000 in four years. What an incredible uh, trade. Uh, What an incredible bet, right? Uh, Signal has their hand raised and then note, obviously, this is both of their wheelhouses. Can't wait to hear what they have to say. Signal, go ahead.
10: Yeah, it's um, the question of supply. So you said that Nina, I think has 5,000 pieces. And this is something that keeps coming up that people are saying that the supply on artist collections, is it too high? Is it too low? And if you look at someone like you know Picasso, they they have like over thirteen thousand work, like pieces of works in you know at different stages. Be that complete, be, be that sketches, be that you know different mediums. And I think this 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 concept of supply, we need to sort of look at it in a different way because an artist needs to be able to um, put their work out without constantly thinking like. What's going to happen to the price? What are my previous collectors are going to think? They need to be able to explore. They need to be able to try and do new mediums. They need to be able to just, you know, go on different plat- uh, platforms, try different things. And it can't always come back to the um, the uh, current collectors and always thinking about what is the price of that different, of of a, of a particular piece. Because otherwise that artist will never grow. Like how can you grow if you can't put your work out there and put it out in big supply or small supply and just, Feel free to experiment. So I feel as if supply in art within Web three needs to not be so um, boxed uh, because everything is being linked to price right now, and I think that puts the artists in a sort of a mini cage, which they shouldn't be in. I think that's a fair take. Let's throw to Node, and then we'll
0: welcome today's special guest. Node, go ahead.
5: Oh man, I'm going to have a hard time speaking. Uh, (laughs)
0: But I will
5: will say this: like looking at the one, the one kind of. uh, Common theme. If you if you actually watch uh, Node Mode, uh, Nick Nick would do well to do so. Uh, but the the one common theme of all the really uh, OG art collectors that we've had on, from uh, you know like VGF has been collecting forever. Dandelion uh, was incredible, and uh, the one thing that Dandelion said was, you know, if you're trying to get rich uh, fast buying art, you're you're probably in for a bad time. Uh, and, and, and DC is similar, right? DC Investor is similar. VGF was similar. They all say like they actually love the art and they just they just love collecting art. And lo and behold, the people that, that really do love the art uh, end up being successful over time. But it kind of forces you to really, uh, you know, it, at least for me, there's like an authenticity to it where I, I'm like stoked that I bought that Skylux piece I don't care what happens to the price on that piece. Like I, I love the artist. I love that that piece of art. And so when it comes to art, the nice thing is you can buy what you love and then you can be stoked for it. And, and then, you know, if you bought it for the wrong reason, then it really kind of stares straight at you and kind of mocks you because, <laughs> because you you didn't buy it because you actually liked it for what it was. So I just wanted to throw that out there because uh, it is, it's a different ball game. And uh, like for me, I definitely don't want my, I don't want it to all go to zero. Uh, but I'm happy with the pieces that I own.
0: So, yeah, you, you're talking about buying with your ears instead of with your eyes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, incredibly excited to announce today's special guest. Ladies there and we gentlemen, go. we got him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Nick. Ladies and gentlemen, we have from back in the day the co founder of Dig, from more recently, the host of the Proof Podcast, the founder of Proof Collective moonbirds oddities high rise he's building a web three empire the man himself kevin rose kevin welcome to the show
12: oh my god that was quite the intro thank you so much it's good to be here i gotta say you all are lucky i'm just i'm literally just getting up on on the west coast and i haven't had my coffee yet i like tuned in and i was like oh everyone here has had coffee like this, <laughs> I'm just getting going, so I'm gonna take a minute. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me. This is uh, it's gonna be fun.
0: Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you. And I know exactly how you're feeling. We're going to the Vegas conference uh, where your old pal uh, Ryan Carson will also be. I'm actually going to be on a panel with him doing a NFT whale tank bit, so that should be fun. But you know, this show happens at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and that has to keep happening while we're in Vegas. So I'm going to have to quickly figure out the coffee situation, otherwise this show doesn't happen. This show runs on coffee, so I totally understand what you're saying, Kevin. Do you do you want us to give you a second before we start? Awesome no, it's all good.
12: I, I thankfully my wife was kind enough to to like. I told her I'm like I got up. I'm like, babe, I've got I've got a podcast in 10 minutes. Like, can can you, can you help me out? So she's like, she's going to take care of it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked. Let's do this.
0: Awesome, man. Uh, well, I saw Nick unmuted. Nick, did you want to lead with a question? Otherwise, I'm ready to rock with Kevin. Go
3: no, ahead. I unmuted to play that clip, uh, <laughs> and so that was that was why I unmuted. Okay, well, Kevin, you know
0: we're talking about something that I think that you're very well versed in. You know that new content that Proof has been rolling out on the art side. I think a lot of people have been incredibly impressed by. A lot of people have been enjoying uh, that content. If we talk, and, and you know, your Grails collection that you've rolled out, uh, the first one was very well received. The second one, you know, was like a, a home run, in my opinion, the way that you guys rolled it out without revealing who the artists were. It got a lot of people excited. You know, on the art side of the NFT space. Do you feel that when you extrapolate over the longer term that the traditional art world will get to a point where they perceive digital art and generative art, you know, NFT artwork we can call it or web3 artwork, natively digital art the same way that they perceive the sort of masterpieces of centuries past. So in other words in an auction, you could see a Matisse or a Basquiat or a Rothko auctioned off. And then right after, you get a Tyler Hobbs in the auction. And they don't make a big show of the fact that it's a digital art piece. It's just normal. It's just another masterpiece like the Basquiat or like the Matisse. Do you think that we eventually get to that point?
12: Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's going to happen. It's it's, it's funny because it's, it's one of these things where – when you think about just the the platform itself, like the, the medium of what this is on the digital side, it just unlocks so much creativity and, and what, of what's possible, you know, how the art can interact, what it can do, um, you know, with, and I, I believe we're just starting to tap into what that looks like, but that is, is certainly something that needs to be captured and will accrue value over time because it's just a, another canvas for people to work with. And so there's, I think that you'll you'll see that happen probably within the next uh, you know five to ten years. I mean, we're already seeing dedicated digital auctions that are occurring um, that you know Christie's or Sotheby's will put out there. But also, I think we're going to see just um, some some frames and some digital ways to display the art that are just going to blow us away. Um, you know, I I've had a chance to review a handful of digital frames now and play with them, and I would say there's there's they're early, it's early days, you know, when you, you play with these things um, oftentimes when you have a frame that you, you purchase um, it can feel like, I think these first generations of these frames, they feel like they are almost televisions in some sense that were just, you know, had some type of external little border put around them. And then um, especially some of the aspect ratios are, are not, are not squares or just standard TV um, uh, aspect ratios. And they, you put them on the wall and the way that they have been built, it's almost as if you just, you know, chose a different video input and then put your graphic up there. I, for the first time, um, I'd say about two weeks ago, I had a chance to view, um, this frame called Danvis and I'm, I'm not an investor. Um, I have no, no stake in the company. Um, it's, it's called, uh, D A N D A S. And, When I went to the website, you know, they invited me over to take a look at the frames. I went to the website. I was like, I don't know. Like, this looks like any other digital frame. There wasn't really anything that blew me away on the website itself. It was just a standard, you know, nice-looking website like any other digital frame website. But when I saw them in person, um, first of all, they're massive, and the site really doesn't do a good job of of showing that these things are like five feet by five feet. So there's massive uh, displays, and then they use this micro LED technology. Um, and when I saw they, they preloaded some of my NFTs on there, and when I walked in, they had like you know probably five or six of them on the sc- on the wall. And I walked in, I was like, wow! For the first time, I feel like the art is really just popping off the page. It's coming through. It doesn't feel like a TV, and it feels like there's more value here in a weird way. I was like, wow! My NFTs just went up in value. Like it's it's not me looking at them on on my laptop like it always is, or or my phone. And I, I was, I mean, now these frames are insanely expensive, but they, they're 35,000 US dollars a piece, but they will come down over time. And I know that a lot of um, uh, higher end galleries are talking to them about using them uh, for, for these displays. But I think it's a combination of, you know, just time and acceptance of digital art, the novel uniqueness of what will happen with some of these NFTs and what they can do. And then just the best ways to display them, will really bring in traditional collectors and get them excited.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean about the digital art frames and the the potential development there. When I walked into the super rare gallery that got put up right before NFT NYC in Soho and is actually still there. I was in Soho last week. I was like, oh, so it's still there. It's just permanently there. Kind I think they're taking it
12: down soon. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. I I was talking to the CEO maybe like a week ago and I think they were saying it's wrapping up. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. But, But yeah, what did they use there? I can't
0: remember which frames they were using, you know? I don't know what frames they're using. I was just—I was blown away at how long it's just been there in the heart of Soho with so many people walking by. But when you first walk in, there's a sixteen by sixteen frame to the left, and when I walked in, they had the X copy burning book piece. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Mm. where the book is open and it's on fire, and it just like it really blew me away. I was—I was pretty stunned by it. And you know, Kevin, you're an extremely experienced investor. You've seen a lot of market cycles. I'd be curious. Do you feel like the art side of Web three of the Crypto space like crypto art, NFT artwork, blockchain artwork. Do you think that that decouples from the crypto cycles and kind of goes uh, in similar cycles to the traditional art world or its own cycles long-term?
12: I think it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it'll probably lock in more with the traditional art world. And I mean, even we've seen a lot of projects get slammed and hammered uh, with this downturn, but then some of them... Uh, you know, some of the more blue chip ones have have been a little bit more res- resilient here. Um, you know, I think of more of like Crummy Squiggles and some others, where if you look at their their kind of like like ninety day activity or or even further, it's not as is hammered as some of the other um, more trend driven um, projects like PFPs and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it does eventually, but but not right now. Everyone's just like it's still considered a, a speculative asset, and so people are you know treating it as such and saying, "Well, I'm hurting," and you know, I just saw an article on, on uh, this morning when I checked my phone. And it was uh, bonds are down thirty percent, and it's just like holy shit! Like the nothing is 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 safe in this environment. So. Um, it was one of those things where people are just licking their wounds and, and, and taking losses or write offs when they can.
0: Yeah, definitely a tough time. Uh, Nick, I see you're unmuted. Do you have a question for Kevin?
3: Uh, well, I saw it. Yeah, I actually read that article as well. It was pretty, pretty fascinating. And then I was like, oh, should I be buying bonds right now? Which is never a, a thought that crosses my mind. And especially when what we're usually discussing on here is like volatile, wildly volatile assets. Um, I I mean, you're you're known for collecting, but you also, you know, I we we want to focus on the art side, but I am curious um how you're feeling like uh, I don't know if the CCO announcement was like a month or two months, I don't know how long ago it was, but I'm wondering how you're feeling now about that and how things are shaping up on that front.
12: Yeah, the the CCO stuff is is thankfully it's it's calmed down a bit in terms of just the chaos around the the announcement, you know, I, for us uh, um when we think about how we went out with the community, I'm so used as a product builder when you build something that you kind of just build, um, get to a place where you're happy um, and, and go out with it. And, and typically that like 90% of the time, unless you're really screwing with someone's product or feature that they know and love, um, because you can oftentimes get like a vocal minority when you change a pre-existing product, um, you know, especially when you take something away, um, then, then uh, everything is fine. I forgot that when you're dealing with people's bags uh, and there's a, a, a tied financial component to it, that you have to be a little bit more thoughtful when making big changes, or, or at least communicate uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a better way. And so that was something that I wish I could have done different. But I, I'm ultimately like I'm pretty happy with what's been happening with CCO. I think there's um, I know about a, a couple projects that are coming up in the in the next few months that are going to be really exciting, that kind of leverage uh, the idea of, of what's going on in the CCO world. Um, I just heard about one yesterday from one of our favorite artists out there um, that I don't want to break their news for them, but it, it's going to be it's it's uh, – they're a really famous CCO artist, and they're working on something pretty cool. And so I think we're going to see uh, cool in that in the sense that it kind of pushes what's possible and shows that there are some really interesting use cases that can be built on top of CCO that – um, I think are going to be uh, ultimately prove is is being a pretty powerful um, way to kind of further distribute the 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 culture and the meme and the and the lore of a project through iteration and modification. And so, you know, that's the that's the dream. The dream is that you're saying that when you set um, your project as CCO, that you, that the community is going to do a better job uh, catapulting and creating creating derivative works that are meaningful and that lead to more attention on the project ultimately long-term. And that when the value comes back to the project, it'll be because they um, look at those derivative works and they are, they're excited about them and they see, well, what was the originals? What, what created all of this? And they'll say, well, gosh, it was that original moon birth project. And then they'll want to um, to collect and own and hold that. So. Yeah, it's it's still a big experiment, but I think it's you know we're I, I'm I'm a fan of like not stopping experimenting. I, I feel like we're so new in Web three. It's such early days here. I, I, one thing I can tell you is that I I truly believe this, and I don't want to, I don't want to really slam anyone's hopes and dreams here, but I just don't think NFT licensing is going to be a big business. Um, you know, and so when I looked at that model, it just seemed so old school, and it seemed that you know there's there's a handful of, of of people that have NFTs that you know you'd consider to be um, uh, kind of like celebrity NFTs. And in that case, yes, of course, like if somebody has an NFT that they've they've created and, and turned into a little micro celebrity celebrity, then there's uh, going to be slight little chances to license that IP. But if you're talking about a massive brand coming in, the ones that have the real money to spend on on licensing IP, They'd rather just own it. Like, there's no reason for them to go out and and you know give you a ton of money for to license your IP when they're building up your brand versus just owning something. And I think we've seen this play out when you talk about you know whether it be Tiff- Tiffany's or Budweiser or any of the big brands that come out here and they 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 put NFTs on their profiles. They're not paying the other people. They're just going out and buying their own and, and saying, hey, we're we're part of this culture. We're cool, and and this is our NFT. So um, we'll see.
0: I mean, it's exciting to think about how all this stuff will play out. And I think you're absolutely right. Like a brand will realistically have enough money to buy an NFT that represents IP that they'd like to brand around for whatever reason. So I'm I'm on the same page as you there. Signal, I know you had a question for Kevin. Uh, Go ahead, shoot.
10: Yeah. Hey, Kevin. Um, We know that you're very excited about um, Chromie's Squiggles, um, considering how many you have accumulated. How do you evaluate established and up and coming artists and their collections? Sort of, how do you establish them? Uh, sorry, how do you evaluate them as to whether they'll be culturally relevant in the next sort of three to five years?
12: Yeah, it's it, well, it's a fantastic question, question single. Thank you for um, for asking it because it's it, it's one that I'm I'm constantly asking and and kind of comparing notes and, and changing um, just my my thesis around this stuff. So I, I would say that you know there's there's a few different ways. Um, kind of a, a lens that I'll put on and look through. Um, one is if you have a, just a general thesis that a certain genre of art is going to be valuable in the future. And so, you know, I, I got to say, I am a fan of of Snowfroze. I think he's a fantastic human. Um, on, and honestly, that that is a big piece of it as well in that I, I want the artist to be just a good person, someone that is going to be a, a natural brand advocate for what they've built and not just someone that just disappears um, and I, I think that uh, snow is great, but also it just happens to be the first art block project and I believe generative art long term is is a, a very important you know piece of our our history here in web 3. And so if that's the case, I want to own the very first project. So that in theory that could have been you know um, anything else. I heard you all talking um, before I joined and a lot was said around you have to you should love the art and that's absolutely true. so, even if it's in a, a, something that I'm really believe is going to be financially, uh, you know, valuable, I, I do have to love the art. So I think it's a first checkbox for me. And Chromie squiggles, when I first saw them, I'm like, what are these little things? And then. I started getting into the different. I just went down a rabbit hole. go up all been here. You, you read the Wikipedia articles. You look at the different ones. Like, okay, wait a second. There's a hyper. Okay, what does a slinky do? And then you start mixing and matching. And then you see how they animate. And you get you get kind of you know all, all of a sudden something happens. And you just flip over and you're in that camp, right? And so you know that's that's um, I certainly look for first. Uh, I there is a you know when. I'm a big fan of what's been happening with AI I mean I think it's it's insane what has happened in the last six months and I have to imagine this continues at the same growth if not accelerates from here um, and I believe that prompt-based artwork is is here to stay and it's just going to get better and better over time and they'll be it won't be hey draw me um, you know a picture of this doing this it'll say draw me a picture of this doing this and by the way refine, This portion of the drawing, um, and you know, so there'll be like endless ways. We're creating a a prompt-based Photoshop in a way, which is is going to unlock a lot of creativity. Actually, Um, just because there's so many people that have, uh, and I put myself in this mind where in this camp where you're you're really good at kind of the idea piece of it, but you sit down in front of Photoshop and you're like, yeah, I don't know how to get this up there, <laughs> you know, but you've got it in your head and, and you can work really well with designers. So I think that there's just a whole uh, generation of people that, that are probably uh, very creative, but, but don't necessarily have the the, the the bridge to get their ideas on paper. And so this is going to be really interesting to see what that creates. All that is to say that now, you know, probably about a year ago, uh, I started looking at, I said, okay, AI is going to be a massive um, category. What's some of the first AI art that ever hit the blockchain, right? And so that brought me to to Robbie Brot. And so you know, I I collected one of Robbie's pieces on Super Rare um, that was out in 2018, and um, you know, I paid up for it quite a bit. I mean, I think it's it's beautiful at the same time. It's this like a landscape uh, AI-driven um, um, portrait of, of you know some trees and and uh, it's it's it looks very AI and that you know like early AI um, obviously had that very we all know what it looks like it's just like not quite right you know when you look at it but it's it's getting there and I think that's going to end up being quite beautiful because AI will get so good that when you see the early stuff it'll almost look laughably bad you know it's kind of like the when we look at eight bit now versus like modern video games. And so, um, you know, I, 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 around a year ago, I, I paid a lot—paid like three hundred thirty-five ETH for this one. But it was, it was, you know, one of the earliest AI pieces um, that that I could find. And and obviously, Robbie in the space is is quite the the kind of innovator, and in that you know was one of the very early GAN artists. And so, um, you know, I you I don't know if you all know this, but you can actually do. Um, you can go into super rare and you can, and you can put in, you can look at the URL. And if you look at the URL, it actually has a sequential list of, of mints on, on the platform. So you can actually like browse by the number that were like minted across all artists. And I think this was the 86th piece or so to be minted uh, on super rare, which is also pretty special because it was a pretty early piece on that platform as well. So anyway, um, so I look for, for genres and areas that, that I think are going to be meaningful long-term. Obviously have to love the art. The artist has to be um, someone that's a good natural promoter. Um, I also want them not to be producing. There has to be this sweet spot in how much they produce. Um, There are a few people that just totally get this. I I don't want them overproducing, meaning like they shouldn't be churning out and just putting their name on everything. So you know, X X is a great example of someone that just drops at just the right times, doesn't overproduce. Um, also creates a, a mixture of affordable pieces, but, but in, in a way that um, doesn't dilute uh, the more expensive one of ones um, So x is really good at that. Um, so that brings in a kind of those more aspirational up-and-coming collectors into the conversation as well. Um, and so th- this is all, these are all the things that I, I kind of look for. And um, let see, is there anything else that I'm missing there? Uh, I, I collect across other platforms too. So I, if I see a platform that's emerging, that might be important. So, you know, for me, that's uh, some Solana, early Solana pieces as well. And then also, obviously, a lot of really interesting stuff is happening. Um, very creative stuff's happening on Tezos. So that's something that I've, I started collecting about a year ago. And, and it's, uh, quite frankly, it's a great place for early collectors to get started because it's just a lot more affordable.
0: Fantastic insight, Kevin. I really liked what you said about the doors that open for creators because of this technology. It it almost is similar to me, like early hip hop producers, and I mean it still happens today. Sampling seventy soul records, you know, whether or not Jay Dilla could have become Jay Dilla if he just had a keyboard without any option to sample those records, you know, you can kind of speculate on that. But because that new art form of sampling the hip hop records was created, um, it, it just opened all sorts of doors for the new art form. And it's really, when you think about it, even though it's analog technology, that's Mm -hmm. technology-based innovation that created that. So I love that you said that about digital artwork, generative artwork, AI artwork. Um, I want to throw to uh, King Kix, representing a queen uh, crown moonbird here. Kix, you have a question for Kevin?
2: Yeah, yeah. What's up, Kevin? Uh, I I think I saw that you bought a uh, QQL uh, over the past couple of days, I was just curious because I got one myself. Are, are you going to uh, actually like, you know, uh, claim one right away? Or are you going to hold on to it for a little while and play around with the algorithm?
12: Yeah, Kix, uh, good to see you. And, and yeah, thanks for the question. So yeah, I mean, I was just having Daniel and Tyler on the podcast was so awesome. I mean, that, what a fantastic just duo of humans. Um, and I, I obviously am a huge fan of Tyler's work. <clears throat> and so I had to, I had to collect this. I'm, I, am i am such an idiot. I was on a plane and I'm like, I should get this. And, and, but the plane Wi-Fi would cut out. And I was like, I, I tried to text a buddy. And he's like, I don't have that much ETH in my wallet. I'm like, come on, pick me up one, you know, like I'll pay you back. I promise. And, uh, and then I, saw him hit you can secondary. always hit me up
2: next time, Kevin. I got you.
12: Oh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will do that kicks. Thank you. Uh, so the yeah, so basically, I ended up buying one in secondary, and of course, it gone up a ton. And so, I, I when I have the time, I'm absolutely going to mint it myself. I've already gone through probably maybe three thousand iterations on my own, and I haven't found anything that just has blown me away. And what's interesting about this project is now you're seeing some of the ones that people are going to, you know, are taking out and minting. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's the bar. Like, there's some really cool stuff, right? She's like, well, shit, maybe I have to go for like, you know, 20 or 30,000 durations till I find the one that is that is that cool. So, because there's some really cool stuff that that I'm seeing. Um, what a fun project, though. Yeah, I, but I will spend it and mend it for sure.
0: So cool. Um, that one really puts a unique twist on the technology that we have. Uh, Spencer repping a Cosmic Moonbird, if I'm uh, saying that trait correctly. Spencer, what's your question for Kevin?
8: Hey Kevin, so uh, I'm I'm just I'm excited about something that I feel like we haven't talked a lot about, which is which is Mythics, and I was wondering if there if you had anything that you were open to sharing about sort of Mythics or where you're at in the thought process, and and maybe specifically also like if you guys are set on Mythics being CC zero, if that's still a discussion, like what's coming in the pipeline.
12: Yeah, uh, good to see you, Spencer. The Mythics are good, you know for those who don't know, they're going to be our next drop that we're doing at Moonbirds. And um, it's going to be a really fun one. We're spending a lot of time on on the artwork, really getting it right. Um, You know, I think that with PFPs, there is, well, there's a couple different things here that are are pretty interesting. Um, PFPs in general, you probably can notice when when you build these things and you see across different projects that... They're they're built so that they're they're being assembled by a machine, right? And so you kind of pick where the head's gonna be, you pick where the glasses are gonna be, you pick where the pizza's gonna be, like you know, you've got all these just dif- different areas that are these interchangeable components. And the thing that is um challenging is sometimes the, the components don't work. They won't match, like a certain glasses don't sit well with a certain uh hat on top of the head. And so you can't pair them. So you create these massive um, lists of do not pair lists that essentially say, if the random generator creates this hat, never throw these glasses on there. Right. So there's a lot of edge cases that you have to kind of build for. And the, the issue is that largely um, when you assemble them, you can kind of tell that they've been assembled, right? Like you, you, the heads are all in the same position, that, you know the, the something comes over like the pizza sits right on the mouth in the same spot the next thing does and you know for for better or worse it it's it's fine but it's just we, we thought okay can we take this down uh can we can we can we really do something a little bit different here when we're creating this collection and so a part of building this uh, and we have a team of illustrators now um and we did we did share a couple of the early mock-ups. Uh, and they've come a long ways, and are looking uh, just so so awesome now. But in our future proof um, video that we have online on our proof uh, YouTube channel, we shared some of the early mockups. Uh, we needed to share some some new ones because they they've come quite a ways. Um, we took it down to kind of a core, almost like skeleton level of the bird, so that we can really get funky about how the things, uh, how these are all assembled, um, and how um, what they're capable of wearing. And then we're also rethinking, um, you know, what are the different views that you will have um, for this this creature? Meaning, like, is there a cropped head view that is used just for PFPs? Is there a full body view that's used for other things? And can you define all of that um, in the metadata as well, so that it's there on day one? And we say that knowing that we'd have to we have to go and have conversations with different. um, We'd like to figure out if there's a standard that can be produced here. That has multiple views um, that that will be supported by the industry because uh, ideally when you take these different nfts into different environments you'd want to choose what version you would like to display so maybe you want that tight pulled in cropped like headshot for your pfp but when you're in some type of universe or or using it in a different context like say it's on your wall you want the full body shot right and so um We did this, uh, we started doing this initially with the oddities drop and that um, Gremlin created multiple body uh, poses for each individual oddity. So we actually have all of that data. It's just, we don't have a way to display it um, because the the different platforms don't support the multiple display. So our hope is in the next few months we can convince the platforms to create a way to kind of switch between the different displays. So in a future world, when you land on an NFT, you can be like, oh, that's the headshot, but let me go check out, you know, um, these other four different views, right? And that could even be, you can imagine other views could be applied to different accessories that they could carry if it was used for a game or whatever it may be. But NFTs, is, is a is, they're just going to be open up quite a bit uh, over the next couple of years. So it's pretty exciting. Um, uh, anyway, so we put a ton of uh, time in this. Um, we, we're thinking through... Um, what the drop mechanic is going to be like, and we're, we're getting all that math correct. So nested boombirds will be eligible to actually hatch one of these. Um, and and if as they stay nested, you know, you're going to hatch at least one. Uh, many people will hatch uh, two or more um, just because of the sheer number that are out there. And then there's going to be this event every day where there's going to be this countdown clock on a screen. And when you come there, when it hits zero, um, you'll see all the new um, birds that are, on, uh, that are hatched in real time. And then also, um, so we're going to slowly kind of trickle it out. We don't think this is a market where you go and just drop a massive collection on. Uh, there's not any fee for this. If you own a Moonbird, you'll have um, the ability to, to produce one of these. So we're not, we're not trying to go and raise additional capital via drop or anything like that. And then the fun thing that, that Grimplin was so kind to, to get behind was that on the oddity side, um, you know, you have the ability to actually sacrifice and burn an oddity, something, uh, a little funny thing we're calling the odd god. And if you sacrifice an oddity and you put him in the little burner, unfortunately it does not survive, but out comes a mythic's egg um, and it will actually hatch a mythic. So there's a deflationary mechanic to the oddities collection, which is really interesting, um, which actually creates one of the rarest uh, grimplin collections out there which will be really fun, um, and then at the same time gives you the ability to potentially hatch something even rarer on the other side, um, on the mythic side. So um, fun, fun little project, and we're still aiming for uh, Q1 to have this all out and launched.
0: Very cool mechanics, Kevin. I want to throw to Node, the host of the Node Mode podcast. He had Dandelion on Node Mode uh, the same day that Proof dropped the uh, podcast with Tyler Hobbs and Dandelion, so got to hear from Node. What's going on?
5: yeah, hey, Kevin. Uh, Signal actually asked all the good questions about art, and I, I kind of found myself, uh, you know, I started off in the art and then I got swept away by the PFP craze. Now I'm back into the art. Uh, but I'm curious on the on the PFP side, uh, I feel like we're kind of in this lull in the in the overall market. Nobody really knows like what's coming next. Uh, what do you feel like the future is for PFPs in general over the next year? Have we kind of played out uh, you know, like the the current narrative? Do we need to do something different? What are your thoughts there?
12: Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a great question. I, I certainly think that um, copying the same formula we used uh, prior for the last you know year and change, I don't think is going to you know there'll be a lot of freedom demands. So there'll be a, a lot of quick little pumps to a tenth of an eighth or something, and then you know people kind of lose interest. So there has to be something kind of deeper, um, either within the, embedded in the project from the get go, or behind the scenes that the project stands for. And so, um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's to, to think that the same playbook that worked to get us here is going to work again over the next couple of years. I think is um, is just not going to happen. So, when I think about the ways that we're going to kind of extend things and make them uh, interesting and fun and and really kind of further the the lore of what we've done at moonbirds it is it is in completely new and exciting directions that that don't play to the same stuff we used before but i'm with you in that i can, well i can't i'm just trying to think of it as i put my collector hat on take off my proof hat out for a second like if there's anything certainly you know there are artists now that i'm really drawn to that if they did something in this space something new and exciting I would probably still want to play, right? Like but it would be, be more artist driven. Like I think you know X-copy with Grifters or whatever, you know, there's 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 things where um I I would still consider buying them, especially if there was you know m- more new and exciting mechanics are associated with them that we just haven't seen played out. Like for example, like QQL uh, type mechanics applied to PFPs. I'm not saying that's a good idea but just illustrating that you know we could think of something uh, radically different as applied to PFPs that might you know grab our attention for and I don't know how durable that would be long term but it it certainly would would cause me to pause and jump back in and say is there something here right so yeah we'll see but but um yeah I haven't I haven't been PFP curious in in a minute
0: PFP curious got to love
3: it uh Nifty Nick you have a question for Kevin it, it's kind of along the same lines, which I'm wondering about. Like you're uh, pretty much a poster child for like the Web 2.0 side of things, and I'm wondering, uh, in terms of the contrast that we have now from like building, that you have all these like super early stakeholders that aren't equity holders in the business, but they uh, now are holding on to, in many cases, including with uh, Moonbirds, these high value uh, stakes in in the, it's it's not clear how, how you impact it technically it, it it guarantees you nothing associated with the project on a legal basis but i'm wondering like how do you view the impact that that has like working like launching a pfp and how it impacts like the decision making in the business and also how it makes you think like strategically about the business in contrast to uh, the previous mode where all of the funding came exclusively from investors Like what impact does that have and how do you think that that like, how do you think about that as you're sort of navigating a business?
12: Yeah, it's a, it's a a great question. Um, Well, even in the web two days, you always had two customers. You had your consumers that were in people that were using um, your products and then you had your investors as well. And, And so you had to kind of satisfy both. Um, unfortunately in, in web two, you know, the, the consumer, the customer was the product and was essentially just, you know, selling their data and figuring out ways to, to convert their eyeballs into, into dollars. Um, I love that this world is now, um, less about that. You know, there's, there's certainly like, we don't have any type of ad type product anywhere near the roadmap, right? Which is a fantastic thing. Um, so the question really comes down to when you, when you can't, when there are all the legal complexities of 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 equity, which is just a, a whole beast in and of itself, uh, around accredited investors and maximum number of people on a cap table before you have to do like public level reporting. Um, there's a whole slew of things that just make equity such an old old process. Um, so you know you see the value back to the community in a few different ways. Obviously the 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 easy uh, answer that, well, the the one that just jumps out that is such a core thing to what we do, which is a lot of the community-based pieces. So, um, you know, how we engage with and interact with our audience, you know, what we do for them in terms of IRL and online, um, the content we create for them and the the research reports that we do for the Proof Collective and all of the things that come on that piece of it. So we hope there's some value there. Um, And then there's other ways that value uh, goes back to these in that as the projects become bigger and bigger and and have more mind share um they become more collectible and sought after so you have the the value accrual going to the actual floor price of the nfts um and then there's other projects like apes and and others that you know work on a a token related strategy and governance so there's additional value um that happens via the distribution of token which is which is actually really interesting because you're you're receiving the same value there that an equity holder would in that when venture capitalists do rounds of financing <clears throat> they always do a letter with the round of financing that gives them um, token rights as well so you say hey should I ever launch a token um, you have X percentage of the network and that's why when you see you know 90 plus percent of tokens go out there um, you'll always see like if you take a look at uh, um, ApeCoin, for example, you always see a little sliver for investors there, and the reason that sliver exists is because the investors are saying essentially, hey, I don't know if this is ever going to be a public company. There's a world where this is never a public company and this is never sold, and so how do the investors make their money back? Well, in that case, they'll have um, some of the tokens as well. So um, I, I actually think that's a pretty cool model because it gives investors the tokens and they can you know, um, kind of exit over time or decide to hold on for them for long, uh, long term. Um, it's, it's faster liquidity for them uh, versus waiting for an IPO. Um, and then it's, it puts the users in the, on the same playing field, right? Like those tokens don't have preferences that say preferred stock does or special rights. So, you know, there's you, you probably all heard of common stock and preferred stock. And what you don't know is that um, behind the scenes when investors invest in companies, they get these, these things called preferred stock that come with all different types of provisions that common stockholders don't get, including employees, uh, with like liquidation preferences and a whole slew of other st- things that can sit on that stack, and so um, tokens do away with all that and put everyone on on level playing field, which is which is quite cool. Um, so there's there's all that thing, and then there's there's really interesting ways to um, give value back in what you do with your DAO and and what that ends up meaning. So. Um, and how the community decides to deploy those funds. And so we'll have a really fun announcement around the DAO component and some really interesting stuff that we're going to be tackling in the next few days. And so that's going to be a really fun way for Moonbirds and Proof Collective members to um, see what is possible with the DAO. it's not just going out and um, empowering people to do uh, great things on your behalf, which is a big piece of it. But it, it goes it goes further than that. So excited to get into those details next week.
0: Wow! Announcement coming next week for Proof and Moonbirds Holders. Let's just
3: announce it right here,
12: Kevin. Let's just go <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead.
0: <laughs>
12: well, I'm gonna do a proper like multi-slide like little little uh, conversation about it. And
0: so uh, yeah, I, I could not, I unfortunately, cannot do that this morning. <laughs> no worries, Kevin. Uh, NFT God always has great questions. Uh, NFT God, what's going on?
7: Hey, Kevin, great to be speaking to you, man. Uh, quick question for you. I think we talk a lot about how to onboard Web 2 people into Web 3. Uh, but as someone who's trying to immerse myself more in the art world, my question to you is this. You know, How would you go about onboarding someone already in Web 3 But maybe they're more on the speculative PFP side, the gaming side, whatever it is. How do you onboard them into more of the fine art space? You know, it could be pretty intimidating. We have so many great artists, a lot of them are really expensive. For someone kind of fresh into that side of of Web3, where do you begin and and how do you get yourself immersed?
12: Yeah, it's a great question, uh, NFT God. I think there's there's a, um, you know, I, I, I guess it really depends on. I, I hate to throw some you're right. Cause there is just so much that's out there. And if you just, you know, you're throwing a dart at the dartboard, you're most likely going to miss unless you really spend the time to do the proper due diligence and, and really understand, you know, who these artists are, why they're important in the space. And by the time you get there and you identify, you know, some of the top grossing artists that are out there, you're in a pretty expensive bucket of, of collecting. Right. So that's where it gets challenging. Um, I would say one of the things I've always pointed people to early on is just Tezos and saying, go there, take, you know, $500 or a thousand dollars and, and, and go check out, um, you know, a a handful of of different sites there that, that either support generative artists, if that's the the thing that they're into. Um, and you can oftentimes find, uh, something that you're drawn to visually that you really want to get behind and you can learn more about the artist and then, when they hop over to ETH or eventually make that bridge over to ETH, you could be sitting on something pretty, pretty special in their early kind of mints on the Tezo side. I've seen that happen a, a handful of times, um, but it's it's it is challenging because these these things do ramp up price wise uh, quite quickly. One of the things that we're really going to try and do at Proof over uh, the next year is is just really um, do our best to work with uh, other artists. Um, to help us curate who these um, emerging artists are and, and who we should be paying attention to and trying to get them in front of people when they're still very affordable um, and, and you can collect them early on. So we realize we've got a handful of um, kind of curators and, and, and specialists in, in-house that we can lean on, but also we just have this amazing network of artists. So we've already reached out to a few um, that are going to be curating collections for us and and really helping us, um, you know, pinpoint uh, someone early in their career, and that's not to say that this is going to be the next Tyler Hobbs when we find them, but you know, it's 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 definitely uh, when I find when you have multiple signals all kind of pointing in the same direction, that's probably something that you know there's at least a little bit of smoke there, and it's worth paying attention. And so um, we've always considered the 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 proof, uh, you know, the kind of brand to be that that we've always called the kind of uh, curation with a point of view. So just really trying to. Uh, give you the data and then letting the, the users decide on on what to do with it. But hopefully when they're still in the hundreds of dollars, and not, you know, tens of thousands of dollars when we find these up and coming artists. Yeah. Fantas- even
7: just surfacing those signals, like what to look for, what people should be looking at. I think that's educational content that doesn't exist today. That would be incredible for, you know, probably a lot of people are even too scared to raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to get into art, but I don't know what to see. So I appreciate it, Kevin.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. Agreed. Great question, NFT God! Fantastic response from Kevin. Uh, Bell, uh, we'll throw to you, and then we'll we'll get ready to let uh, Kevin get back to his day. Bell, what's your question?
13: Yeah, hey Kevin, I was wondering more on just the general onboarding of Web two to Web three. You know, the running joke right now on the on the PFP side is that it's just people buying and dumping within themselves, right? Same same old people in the same place. And then in the traditional art world, there's not so many people jumping from the traditional art world into NFT. So I'm really curious on what you think it'll take.
12: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we're starting to see cracks in, in that happening. Like when when I really get excited when I see the MoMA, you know, dedicate, I don't know, what was the latest round of financing? Does anyone remember? It was like $60 million or something like that to, to going out and buying digital art? Yeah,
0: it was something 70, like yeah. $70 million.
12: $70 million, yeah. So you know, there's little pieces like that where it's it it's clear that you know attendance is down, uh, people aren't going uh, in, in person as much, and in into in these galleries, which is a, a horrible shame. But they're they're realizing that this kind of like next generation um, wants to see more interactive uh, digital pieces, and and so they're kind of taking a step in that direction. But I, I think that we we had this, we ran into this. Um, you know, there was this mistake that that we all at least I, I the kind of a rake that I stepped on where I, I thought this thing was moving so fast. And it's like, okay, well, this is just going to flip. Right. And all of a sudden it'll be just accepted within two years. Right. And this will be a, a new staple that everyone points to and says, this is the future. And I think these things just take a little bit longer, especially with these like super entrenched old school brands and collectors that it, it takes longer to convince uh, folks that this is the future. So, you know, you can even look at the state of crypto and where it is today and, and how many unique wallets that, that are out there um, you know and how we've been at this for, for quite some time. Uh, you know it's, it's, it's been gosh like 10 plus years now I guess and it's, it's I feel I have a feeling that, that, that nFTs are going to be in the same boat and that we'll see this gradually like a kind of gradual increase um, most likely lifted by new bubbles forming and, and bursts. But that's it, kind of like the uh, cyclical nature of crypto is like you see this like, you know, mass interest, especially around anything financial and a bunch of people rush in. And then when, it, when they rush out, the floor and not the actual floor price, but meaning like the, the number of people that are interested, it has raised up a notch from where it was the time before. And, and I think we'll see a few of these cycles happen. And then that combined with just better ways to display them, less people getting hacked, Um, you know, more positive news in the, in the world of NFTs than negative news. Um, And I think we'll be in a good place, but that's probably, you know, a few years out, but um, all the more reason to be collecting uh, today. You know, I was talking to, um, you know, the really amazing famous investor from Andreessen Horowitz, uh, Chris Dixon. And one of the things that he pointed out is that in aggregate, all NFTs are about 1% of the market cap of cryptocurrency. And he was like, we have a long way to go. Like this is a tiny little industry that could be so much bigger. And his thesis was that this is just gonna be orders of magnitude larger than what it is today. And I I'd say I have to agree.
0: I think we uh on this stage, a lot of us do too. I just saw Gene Parmesan does have his hand raised. Parmesan, quick question
6: for Kevin. Yeah, quick question. So I have a bit of a thesis where like I, you know, I said I think you know, NFTs are kind of a lot of them are out of moves in the sense that like, you know, a lot of things that would reliably increase floor prices, you know, months ago, like, hey, we're announcing a partnership. Oh, hey, we're going to do airdrops. Oh, we're introducing staking or hey, we're going to do a video game, a TV show. Those things no longer have an effect. And if anything, they sometimes will bring the floor price down. And so, you know, that makes me bullish long term things like the nifty where it's like a community, like a genuine community or things like art. But I think that, you know, what do you think is the next move, right? Like, like, you know, what what is a founder like the, the next innovation, the next thing that is going to kind of last and be able to say, "Oh, hi, Like this is something that, that is really going to, you know, create value, like real value, not just sort of like you know, airdrop value.
12: Uh, Gene, that's a just a fantastic question. Um, I mean that there, there's it's something we think a lot about, and um, I, I think that this you nailed it when you say not just airdrop value because I, I believe that airdrops long term will probably be seen as like nice to have. It's like, Oh, thank you. Like awesome little gifts and little things that you get from uh, collections that are doing um, great work, but it's not going to be the, Oh, here's 50 grand dropped on me every six months. Like that, that those days are over. (laughs) Like I just, unless you're like somehow pull another rabbit out of the hat with, with board apes or you're a big collection like that. Like it's, it's just going to be, it's It's going to get harder and harder. And, um, especially in this market, it would just be dumped out and, and it's not, not a good look. Um, it's, it's something that, that we think about in and, and I kind of hinted out earlier on, on, on what we're going to be announcing, um, next week. And, you know, we want to figure out a, a way to kind of bring the community in for something that's much richer, um, than hmm, I, I'm trying to I'm struggling at ways not to, to, to just really talk about what we're going to be doing. Let's just, (laughs) let's just, let's just say that, um, uh, well, we don't have a perfect solution. I'd say everything here is, is just trying new things. And one of the things that we realize is that a lot of our members, um, both in the proof collective and the moonbird side, um, love collecting kind of blue chip in a TR and I'm a member of Flamingo DAO. It, It is a fantastic organization, insanely well run, um, you know, at the, at the height of all things, NFTs it had about a, a billion in, in NFT assets under management. Um, it was just, you know, a really good model for uh, how a group of uh, really great collectors can get together and, and pull together um, not only resources, but, but just uh, thinking power around what is new and exciting in the space. And when I think about what we're doing with our DAO, um, there is a, a world where we take some of the learnings from some of these collector models and apply them so that, you know, your Moonbird or your, you know, Proof-Collective pass is, it represents something much deeper um, uh, on on the back end side uh, than just the NFT itself. Because what we've, we've always said that we're always about long-term holding and collecting. And so that kind of plays to the core of, of what we've been at Proof. So... Um it, some fun new experiments coming uh, to proof in the next few
0: days. Well, that's very exciting. Uh, so, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us, man. This well, was awesome. Oh, go ahead, Nick.
3: Also, congrats on announcing the equity that people are going to get for holding <laughs> the Moonbirds. That was huge announcement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man.
0: You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
12: Love that. Love that sound clip pulled out and and, uh, probably retweeted uh, 10,000 times. Then I'll have to go in there and say, no, I don't take pictures of feet. And there's like all kinds of fun stuff that happens from that one.
0: Yep. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. It's going viral. Um, but no, thank you so much, Kevin. This was awesome. So uh, everybody should check out the Proof podcast. Uh, obviously, check out Moonbirds, Oddities, uh, the Proof Collective NFT collection. Anything else? Any closing thoughts, Kevin, before we let you go? Well, this has been
12: awesome. Uh, uh, thanks for, for having me. I mean, I'm glad that we're... It's great to see this many people in the community this early kind of getting after it. And You know, like like all of you, we're just going kind of heads down and and building towards the future because, you know, this is this I've seen this cycle play out so many times in crypto and and the best businesses, the best projects will be birthed now or in, you know, have been. And it's it's when the when the cycle rides back up again, um, those of us that were here around building and and collecting, I think are going to be in a great place. So um, let's go.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. A little lot. nod here to you know Web2 and, and the yep. Bay Area, which I know Nick and yep. Kevin have experience with. Yep. When you're building these businesses, you have choices. Yep. Choices to make things CCO. Yep. Choices on what to do with the collections. Yep. So you got to pick the right one. We'll see yep. you on Monday, ladies yep, and gentlemen.